Well, welcome back, everyone. This is our ninth episode of the podcast. We're really excited to finally get close to that 10th episode that we're going to be streaming live on YouTube. How are you doing today, Anna? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Good, good, good. Lots of stuff to talk about. Yep. We could also choose to just talk about none of it. You <laughs> yeah. know? Before we do, today's sponsor is Josh Wine. <laughs> Feeling like wine? Crack open a Josh. <laughs> Man, it's funny because I pulled up NPR um, mm. and the first biggest head, like this huge headline here is, gas prices surged to above four dollars a gallon yeah you know because that's something literally every single day when i'm taking you to work we pass the gas station and we're like oh wow it's 20 cents more yeah i mean and and it happened on the course of a week uh change of 60 cents yeah it's crazy that's a that's a huge that's a seismic shift yeah yeah i mean we passed and it was like Okay, it's 20 cents more. And then two days later, it's like, oh, it's 20 cents more again. And then we passed today. It was like, oh, it's 20 cents more again. So it's it's getting crazy. And I saw this woman saying like on, on Twitter, you know, it's like, you know, I don't know why these politicians try to explain these things like on how these prices rises for normal people. Because we don't actually believe in any of that. You have to buy the gas no matter what they decide. Right. That's your life. That's a good point. So all you are doing is just like, I know how much this costs. I've right. been buying this for a long time. We know how much it should cost. But, you know, now we're paying the price for a lot of other decisions being That's made. That's a good point because you start sitting the random person down. And you're like, okay, this is the way that inflation works. This is the right. the international economic geopolitical situation with Russia. And mm. We're a net importer and we get a lot of oil from Russia and mm-hmm. now we can't. And so mm-hmm. now we're getting so much more. Gas prices are skyrocketing. You know, people are like, I don't care. I just, <laughs> I have to pay more now and I don't exactly. like that. That's all you need to know. It's just like, well, it used to cost this for this many years of my life. And now it costs like more than twice as much. Right. Something is wrong. You might not understand what is wrong, but you understand that something people is wrong. People are pissed. People are pissed. And I think that the average person is starting to feel inflation a lot harder, not just with um, used car prices and groceries, but it's mm-hmm. hitting like everything that you could possibly pay money on. You know, yeah. your rent, you know, you go to the, you just go to the movies and a popcorn is $10. And you're like, that. that's weird. <laughs> yeah, you know? and the movies have always been expensive like uh, oh yeah food at movies so now it's ridiculous it just i guess whatever it was it's more now i mean for a country that is car dependent because i i'm from brazil in my country most people don't have a car and and if you do it's like a car for family in here different members of the family have a car everyone's got a car <laughs> everyone has a car like we see in the in our street like there is a car inside people's garage and a car outside people's garage and then a car in front of people's people garage. love to have as many cars as they can in right this country. and now you can't drive them and today uh one of the the i don't know who he is i saw like some random politician talking about like you know if if people buy an electric car they don't have to worry about gas prices it <laughs> sounds like uh, maria antonieta like with let people have cake yeah. like oh you don't have bread let people have cake it's just like it's so out of tune it's like i don't have four dollars to buy gas do you think that i have thirty five thousand dollars to buy an electric car? that's just it they're incredibly expensive and right. if you're gonna buy them used it's even more right if you want to buy them new if you're gonna buy them new you gotta wait how many years on the waiting list for a tesla you know, we have competition springing up. Most major automakers have an EV division now, and they've got all these new assembly lines coming into place, and they're doing research, and they're 
trying to buy all the lithium they can buy for the batteries and right you know they're, they're working on it but people don't realize that it's not a greener alternative to drive an electric vehicle mm-hmm. you know people think oh you know it's gasoline versus electricity mm-hmm. well where are you getting electricity right you know most of the power grid it can't support that and so we're not getting that from renewables we're getting mm-hmm. the majority of an electric grid from fossil fuel sources mm-hmm. so it's conversion from a fossil fuel into electric it's it's ridiculous and and it's so out of touch that the people making the decisions some of because you know i watched the secretary of the white house talk about the gas prices this weekend i even shared it i was like this is why <laughs> this is why i can't really talk about politics a lot and get involved a lot because i get so mad because it's like these people are trying to see okay how can we how how can we just uh say something stupid and wait that people are not gonna notice and she's saying like you know the prices of gas are up for not for anything any decision that the president has made but because of course russia not. invaded <laughs> ukraine and that has consequences the price of gasoline has been going up for over a year. Right. And they just recently blamed uh, inflation on the Ukraine <laughs> conflict, which just happened a few weeks, a couple <laughs> weeks ago. You right. know, so it, it's a it's a um, very golden opportunity for people in government to be like, well, guys, what are we going to do? You throw up your hands like no one could have predicted this. You know, it's, it's but it's, it's so infuriating. Well, yeah, but the, the problem is they'll do it and they'll continue to do it because it works with mm-hmm. a lot of people. Yeah. You know that I'm just looking at the. Um, the election that's happening right now mm. in South Korea. Mm. Really interesting. You know, not, not a whole lot of news about this, but I like it because of the ties I had to South Korean right. pop. But anyway, um, they have an election coming up, like literally in a few days. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now they're kind of scrambling. The candidates are scrambling to try to get the young vote, like mm. the 20s and the 30s, like mm. millennials and Gen Z, mm-hmm. because people that are 20s and 30s make up a third of the voters. Wow. So it's a big deal. That's a lot of people. Yeah. So they're trying to almost cater to young people because that's becoming more of a swing vote. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have basically left and right, just like you would mm-hmm. in um, the United States, where you have more conservative leaning candidates and a more democratic leaning candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, a big point of contention is how they're going to view uh, their ties with Russia, uh, not Russia, China and the United States, mm. you know, and how they're going to pitch their their candidacy based on those two things. Mm-hmm. Um, because right now, there's kind of like this tug and pull happening mm-hmm. because their biggest trading partner by far is China. Mm. But they also rely heavily on the United States mm. for military, for mm. defense, basically, mm-hmm. because of North Korea. Mm-hmm. You know, so they rely on both of us, but then we could be at odds, the U.S. and China. So they're all trying to play this kind of like, you know, beat around the bush political mm-hmm. uh, what have you to try to not directly confront it. So yeah. there is a conservative candidate who has basically said... He wants to be more aggressive with human rights issues, mm-hmm. and he wants to confront some of these things that China has been doing, mm-hmm. even though it's their biggest trading partner. And then there's the Democratic candidate who's like, guys, 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 like, we don't have to talk about any of this. Let's just ignore all of it. You know, let's deal with other things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not wise to talk about our relationship with the U.S. or our relationship with China. Just let things go the way they are. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how things are going right now. Mm-hmm. And there's a myriad of other issues that they're talking about on top of this but i just found that interesting because i'm from the u.s right you know so that's interesting and also one thing that dovetails into that is back in 2015 Mm. there was a chinese sentiment index where they found that there was 34 35 ish percent percentage of the south korean population 
held unfavorable views of China mm. back in 2015. Mm -hmm. Now, I think it's somewhere north of 87%. Yeah, I mean... That's the whole world. It's yeah. the whole world. Because everyone knows that yeah. the virus came out of China and mm -hmm. that they were very dishonest with the way that they were reporting these figures. Right. It hit us majorly around January, February, March of mm -hmm. 2020. Yes. But they had information a long time before yeah, that. like November. And they shut it down and they weren't letting reporters in and they mm -hmm. weren't letting people into the CDC, the virology right. lab. Yeah, the people that knew about it disappeared. Yeah, the people that knew about it disappeared. The doctors who were talking out about it disappeared. They still have never found them. <laughs> like really sketchy stuff. And the world is basically like, you know, if this happens and it's an accident, that's mm -hmm. one thing. But this was clearly something that they were covering right. up, which is so classic China. Yeah, and they have they have camps for the, the Muslims. The Uyghur Muslim concentration yeah. camps. It's yeah. basically a modern day genocide happening. Yeah. And no one's talking about right. that. You know, so anyway. So there's a lot of things going on and these candidates in South Korea that want to be president are trying to kind of scramble on how they're going to position themselves with these topics. Yeah, I mean, I just this is why, you know, when I was in college, I used to love and I still do love political science in the theory of it. Like I loved knowing how things work. I love um, work, um, understanding phenomena like how does politic happen you know how politicians win elections what makes them lose elections and what are the classic thoughts about it how did it start i love this and i used to teach it and you know it's very interesting to me because it's basically basically the study of how humans interactions work on a larger scale it's like macro psychology Exa almost. exactly it's super interesting but in reality i just i despise it so much <laughs> I despise politicians with such a passion because they they whatever they say it's not who they are it doesn't have to be who they are it's like it's politician uh, politics 101 like it really doesn't matter what you feel what you think you have to cater for your voters right or and you'll never win exactly so it's like why would you want to rely on these people for anything more than the absolute necessary but today we live in a society that people will stop buying Coca-Cola if Coca-Cola doesn't have an inclusion training. It's just like, it's a soda. It's going to kill you. It's it's killing you very slowly with the amount of unhealthy things in it, you know? But they have to be, you know, woke and socially inclusive and they have to preach something that, you know, I relate with. I, that's certainly the trend. I would push back just saying that I think the majority of people who drink Coke mm. are going to continue drinking Coke. You're going to have a, <laughs> a vocal minority on Twitter yeah. who, you know, may not, may or may not have even drank Coke. But, that, but that's the problem, though. It, it, the, the minority, it's always a minority. Right. The, the po politicians are a minority, but they are the ones that make decisions. The ones who, you know, drag companies on Twitter when those companies does do anything that, you know, these people dislike... They are the minority, but they are very, very loud. And minorities throughout history have dominated situations because they can make themselves loud. It's like you have five children and one of your children is like very loud and they just throw themselves on the floor and they just they just create all the problems. You will find Boarding yourself... Boarding school. <laughs> you will find yourself like thinking about ways on not upsetting that kid or how to deal with them. They'll or... take the majority of your attention. It's the 80-20 exactly. rule. Exactly. Like you can't, you can't ignore the loud minority. You just can't. And they are easier to organize too because have you ever tried to make like, if you're going out with 10 friends and you have to decide where to eat, 
it's a nightmare. Like you can't decide unless someone says like, this is where we're going to go. You can't decide anything. You have to have someone that says this is where we're going. Exactly. But if you, if you're alone or if you're like with another person, you make that decision in two minutes, unless you're dating a sociopath. (laughs) I must say that I think you can ignore the vocal minority. I think Mm. people choose not to, and people give too much weight to the vocal minority. But I think I think if, if, if people made the decision, like, we're just kind of going to ignore this, like, vocal minority, I think they would lose their power almost immediately. But you're right that this traditionally and historically, mm-hmm. the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Yeah, and it's not, it's because you don't know it's the minority. Unless you know data, you don't know. Right, it can it can skew when you see extreme things on Twitter. Yeah. And it might only be 200 accounts, but right. you're like, oh my gosh, there's 200 tweets here. That must be the world thinks this. Exactly. And it's like, well, not exactly. People like the same person who tweet the same hashtag like a thousand times a day and make that freaking trend. It's powerful. And, you know, who knows if it's even something that isn't a bot from Russia or China or something. Right. You, know, you don't know. All it's you know not, is it's an account saying about, this. Right. We're talking about one kind of minority. We're talking about people, just normal people, ordinary people with that Twitter account. But there is also other kinds of minority, like some uh, um, powerful people. You know, there's some corporations that own everything. Well, that's been true for the the whole history of humanity. Exactly. That's my point. Minorities dominate everything in history. Everything. And I'm talking about all kinds of minorities. Yep. You know, People, like the majority, is almost never in control. That, that doesn't happen. Because look at the, the, the convoy that happened in Canada. They were a, a bigger n- number of people than the ones in Congress. But the ones in Congress was the ones with could write a bill and with the strike of a pencil, like, we have an emergency accounts. powers now, we can freeze your account. Right. But they are the minority with power. Yeah, that's a good you point. Know? But my whole point is that I really would like to to see people taking control of their own morality. Like, I'm not going to... That sounds hard and difficult. <laughs> I know. How dare you tell us to do something difficult, I, Anna? I mean, it's like people during um, these last months, you know, that some some places had the mask mandate and some places sure. had no mask mandate. And the amount of people that, you know, if the government tells you to wear a mask, you will wear one. If the government say, oh, you might not wear a mask one now, then they take it off. I'm like, you're not wearing it because of the virus. You're wearing it because someone is saying, oh, you have to or you don't have to. Well, sure. You know, there's always rule followers and there's rule breakers and there's rule setters. Right, right, right. But my point is like... People if, aren't going off their own principle. They're going off of whatever exactly, mom that's, and dad tell them like to do. That's like a tiny example. And just to show, like we wait, we rely on the government for things that we shouldn't rely on the government for. Do so you, essentially you might advocate for a smaller government. More oh, yeah. power to the people, smaller government. I mean that that I I guess is 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 pretty similar to what I how I would view things as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of the opinions that we'll have on various issues, like we could read a thousand articles here, right? And what we'll probably circle back to is governments tend to create more issues than they try to solve, right? And a smaller government would be better, and a more yeah. decentralized control system would be better. Yeah, it's just it's because it's it's people. Like anybody listening to this, think about. Anything that you can think about that was controlled by a large group of people. Think about how that works. Right. You know, like a school, like a club, a project that you were part of. You can't walk fast when you have a large group of people. That's the old um, African proverb Mm. where it's like, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, take others with you. Mm. You know, so essentially the government by design is bloated 
and inefficient. But that's the way that it's supposed to be right. so that things can't happen too quickly. Right. So it's yes. slowly, even even like, say, a three a three decade delay, it slowly adjusts right. to cultural adjustments. Yes. You know, and so I understand that. And I, I can even appreciate aspects of that. Mm-hmm. Um, people that see gross inequality and mm-hmm. people that see um, gross inefficiencies and things like that, they'll they'll get frustrated at the design. Mm-hmm. I don't know if a fundamental restructure is what's needed. No, I I don't think it's a restructure. I think it's a, a an allegation of responsibilities because the government individualism or, or? no in the the original American government. Let's focus on a country, uh, the one that we live in. It's not my, you know, uh, country where I was born in, but it's the country that I live right now. The original uh, 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 government was a a lot smaller than it is right now. Today, government is fighting over constitutional rights because they were not the ones that wrote the Constitution. They was like, you know what? This doesn't apply anymore. Like, we should change this. What if people say something that is misinformation? They shouldn't be able to say that. So, you know, your your constitutional right of saying whatever you want is not is no longer applied in these certain situations. Like, we, the government grew a lot more from the first uh, um, responsibilities that they had now they have all the responsibilities. Now the government pays you a check if you can find a job. Now the government will send someone in your house if you if they hear that your kids are not being treated right. And I'm not saying any of that is bad. I'm just saying that from the amount of those responsibilities that they had in the beginning, now they have like a ridiculous numbered more. You know, we were talking about the IRS, how the IRS uh, was funded to be temporary. And now, you know, they're just there. <laughs> Right. <laughs> just there you know they don't close uh, a job that is created to be temporary they never do it just became some something permanent so we rely a lot more in certain for certain things in the government when we should rely on ourselves i was just listening to that book on the, the bitcoin standard and the guy talking about you know the, the monetary system he made a, a point that i've never really thought about which was like you know before the government money was uh, um, um, centralized in the government and the government has like, you know, assistance uh, programs and public um, retirement programs, people would have a lot of kids because they relied on those kids to help them in old age. And you knew that you had to work a lot to save money and delay yourself the gratification of, you know, spending money right away because you have to think about your future. And then you would also have a strong family foundation because your kids now have to carry on your responsibilities and take care of you when you're old because the government is not going to help you but then we substituted that to the government now the government has to assist you do you need medicine the government has to get give you you need to go to the doctor the government has to give you your kids want to go to school the government has to help them like they they have 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 to help with loans. They have to help making things cheap. They have to help with like, you know, welfare things. And again, I'm not arguing that those things are good or bad. I'm just arguing that those things change the way that we think. So they, what, what this guy was talking about was that now people don't have as many kids and they delay having kids and they don't see their families in the same structure anymore because now they see the state as the provider of some of those goods. And now we change the way that we think. A lot of people now have a negative uh, um, savings account because they don't really delay yeah, the gratification. Of, exactly. 
So why? Because now you know that you have a, 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 a net. You a have safety a safe net. net. Exactly. Well, that's the thing is like, I don't necessarily see the government as the root cause. It, government's just people, right? You know, right. so it was that people over time voted themselves certain benefits. Right. And that happens in a democracy right. eventually. And that's why democracies don't last a super long amount of time. Mm. You know, eventually they vote themselves enough free stuff that the bottom falls out and the whole thing collapses. Well, it's a new idea anyway, like in, in the scope of history, democracies are a new idea. Sure, sure. It's very relatively short. like the democracy as we know right now, not like as a gr the Greek knew, like a group of men in a room, and that was democracy. I'm talking about the democracy as we know right now. It's a very new idea, uh, of uh, like a couple of hundred years old, maybe a little bit more. Right. I guess we're we're essentially contemplating the the macro philosophy of political structures and how they progress over time. Right. You right. Know? And so, you're saying that they progress in a negative way because people's human natures will come out in how they vote mm -hmm. in selfish ways. Right. And that'll eventually create a system of a nanny state where you have a government functioning as like a mom and dad that you never really leave the home from. Right. And they eventually take care of you into your retirement. And right. so if you view them as someone who's taking care of you, you don't have any incentive anymore to to save and take care of yourself. And right. so then it's a self-perpetuating cycle. I mean, I agree. I think that that was inevitable. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think that it's something that's completely, um, I don't think we're so far gone that we can't recover. Right. Um, it, that, and that's what I mean by like, I just wish that people would um, be more responsible some people for are. their own outcomes. There's always a portion of the population that is. Right, right, exactly. You know, like if, it if doesn't... the world went to shit tomorrow, mm -hmm. there are professional preppers who that's all they do is mm -hmm. prep for a living. And they've got <laughs> solar grids set up and they've got rainwater collection and they've got like 12,000 bullets and all their AR-15s. You know, they're ready to go. Right. And then there's the people that are just like me who's like, well, I don't want to cook tonight. Let's go to Wendy's. You know? <laughs> but anyway, I would view myself as somewhere in the middle mm -hmm. of being prepared. I wouldn't be extreme either one way or the other, but I like to make fun of myself. But, <laughs> you know, there's always a spectrum. And that's very important. You know, mm -hmm. I, 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 I just love the variety of people mm -hmm. and how everyone fits in in a different way. Right. There is a general trend, you know, and if you were to talk to, you know, uh, depending on who you talk to, some people might say, you know, hard times make strong men. And, you know, that's what we had. And then good times make I weak men. I think that's psychologically true. Right? Sure. So a lot of things are happening. We're in good times. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a roaring economy. You have like more abundance. Everyone has so much stuff. You yeah. always talk about that because you came from Brazil. You're like, people have yes. so much stuff here. Yeah. You know, we have, we have a multi-billion dollar public storage company industry. It's, it's, it's insane. You know, where people don't have enough room to even put their stuff. And so they've created a whole new industry of, of public storage units just to carry their stuff. You know, no one starves in the United States. Yeah, we have a very... Insane. We have a very prosperous country. And so right. what that makes is people that are just used to that. Yeah. People are born into it. And they're like, this is sweet. Like ever since I was four, I've been playing on my iPad and I right. always get meals. I never worried about where the next meal is coming from. Right. You know what I mean? Like even if my dad lost his job, you know, then we get on food stamps. Then you get, yeah. you get, you still get groceries rolling in. Right. You know, so it's like you, you, there's always, there's always a safety net, if you will. Mm -hmm. And that creates a certain mentality. Yes. And that eventually makes someone who's not super incentivized to save for themselves. Uh -huh. And so the average American is dead. And there's a lot of things connected to that. I would say it's multiple things happening at once. The biggest of which, in mm -hmm. my opinion, everyone's going to have different opinions, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I, I think, yeah, it's a cultural thing. It's the, it's an it's an inevitable outcome of democracy. Mm -hmm. um, it's the hard times make strong men. Strong men make good times. Good times make weak men. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, what I think it comes down to is the monetary system. A mm -hmm. centralized monetary system where 
politicians want to get voted in. Yeah. And once they get voted in, they, they were like, well, now I got to make all these social programs and all these yeah. new projects. Which is part of the problem we're talking about democracy. Like someone needs to be voted in. Like when we vote for stuff, we're voting for someone. And these are these people that make the rules. Right. But, but that's my point is yeah, that yeah, they, yeah. they get voted in on a certain platform. Mm -hmm. And then to reaffirm that platform, to, to fulfill their promises, their campaign promises, they have to come up with all this money. Mm -hmm. And the only way to do that is a lot of the times to print to print mm -hmm. and tax mm -hmm. you know so you have creating more money expanding the monetary supply they call it modern monetary theory you call mm -hmm. it fractional reserve banking whatever you want to call it it's basically digitally printing a bunch of money from nothing mm -hmm. and then you also have taxing so those are the two big tools that the government has to extract money from the people and they say that inflation is kind of like the silent tax yes. so it's still another tax yes people don't realize it but if you if you Let's say you can live, you make $3,000 a month and you mm -hmm. can live on 2000 So every single month you can save $1,000. And you're thinking, this is sweet. I'll mm -hmm. just keep saving 1000 each month to retirement. And that's yeah. 12000 a year. Yeah. You know, 10 years, you've got $120,000. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, well, if I just keep this in a bank account, making 2% interest over the life of uh, a 35-year career, just as an example, you're like, I'll have enough to retire. Yes. You know, you make your own calculation and everything seems great. But the problem is, if inflation is at 10% per year, after five years, you've lost more than half of the value of your, yes. of your money. Mm -hmm. You don't realize that things are going to cost so much more. Yes. So that same amount of money isn't going to be worth half as much. And right. if you go over the entire life of your career, you're going to have such a minuscule amount of money yeah. when you keep it in cash. Yes. Because of inflation, because the United States uh, Treasury Reserve has been printing all this money. Yeah. Expanding the money supply, basically dilute. Think of it as like diluting the amount of money in yeah. existence. Yeah, making the value of it smaller and smaller and smaller. Like a, yeah, you like just pump. Blank. You pump a whole bunch of money into the economy. Mm -hmm. Dollars become worth less. Stuff gets more expensive. Right. And so then your savings starts to go down. And so people aren't saving as much. Yeah. If it was the opposite, if there was no dollars ever printed again, and so. Dollars could actually reduce over time. Like people mm -hmm. would lose money or, you know, burn in a fire. And it's like only the dollars only like went down in mm -hmm. quantity. Mm -hmm. You know, dollars value would go up over mm -hmm. time. You have the opposite effect. And so people would hold on to their dollars like they were precious gems. <laughs> and they would go up over time and then people wouldn't have an issue with retirement. But we're getting the opposite problem. And I think that's really interesting. Right. Because I think that that... I, I, I hate to say it, but I think that at the center of the country is its money. I think that's the lifeblood of a country. Well, yeah, because everything surrounds it. It's, it's, it's um, attached to everything. Everything right. is denominated in the U.S. dollar. Yeah. And but... I, I think the way that they're handling their monetary policy, centralized policy, modern monetary theory, expanding the money supply yeah. every time they want money for anything. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think that that's what's causing the cultural and psychological problems that we're dealing with today. Right. It's like when, you know, when you're a kid and you have like, um, what's the name of the game? Monopoly. And you know how Monopoly has the little money oh, yeah. bills. And you carry that around, you know. Such a great game. It could go on forever. It could, it's such a long game. It could. It was so funny because, uh, you know, when I used to take care of... Um, I, I I still take care of kids, but I used to take care of these four kids and I could see their personalities in the way that they played Monopoly. So there was one of them was very safe, you know, like I'm going to just save my money, buy properties that were very cheap. And I, I had never played Monopoly before. That was my first time, you know, when I came to the country, I was like, oh, I'm going to play this game with the kids. And then one of them 
didn't really understand how money worked. He was five. He was like, you know, just buy. Can I buy this? Count for me. And I would count like, well, you can't afford this, but you're going to be broke. Like, okay, I'll buy it. And then they would be broke for the rest of the game and they would be out. And there was one of them who didn't buy anything until he had enough money to buy the most expensive property on the whole game. And the, that was his sole strategy. Like, I'm, I'm going to save money to buy this one thing. And when I buy it, then I'm going to tax everybody who falls on my property. And that's how I'm going to get rich. He won the game. <laughs> wow. But I was just like, if you lose, you lose Got very ugly. Got an entrepreneur ugly. right there. <laughs> but, but, but it's like the risk, the risk prevention. Like this, yeah. this person stayed until the end of the game because they were safe. But this other one... Uh, one by being you know risk strategically risk exactly and also like just you know uh, uh, uh being lucky and someone just fall on that property like now i have all your money but anyway i digress it's just it's just a, a nice game to get to know uh, so how people will act in life like yeah. that's how you are in life how are you gonna play that right my whole point is that the the little money that monopoly has like the fake money when you are a kid you want to, you know, use that as real money. You try to. And you, you as an adult, you go like, this is, you can't buy stuff for this. This is a monopoly money. This is right. fake money. Everybody knows that this is worth nothing. It looks like money, but you can't just get a piece of paper and act like money because it looks like money. And this is exactly what the Federal Reserve does. It's like a piece of paper that acts like money, but it's it doesn't have any worth. Just because it looks like a dollar. No intrinsic value. Exactly. And that's what money is. It's a storage of, uh, uh, storage of value. And right now with money printed, it's literally just paper. It has no value in it. Someone just printed this me taking a piece of paper and writing one dollar and then giving it to you and expecting you to accept it. It's so fascinating because like you and I know that. And mm -hmm. I think most people that listen to this can be like, yeah, it makes sense. Just paper when you think about it. Mm -hmm. It's backed only by the confidence of the United States military. You know, we have one of the largest economies, we have a large military, you know, so it's like, we're the central reserve currency. So every other currency in central bank is, is denominated in US dollar. So in a sense, the network effect of it is very strong. Um, but the journey, the historical journey on how it got there is very interesting. And I think right. just, just a point to say that back in the day, it used to be um, backed by gold. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very interesting. Because it used to be backed by something. You used to have an actual physical vault of gold. Mm -hmm. And they would say, okay, if you want to keep your gold here, we can loan out these dollars. Mm -hmm. And anytime you want, you can return these dollars and get your share of gold. You could right. redeem that money in gold. Right. You know, but ever since we got off the gold standard in 1971, Nixon took us off that gold standard. Now it was no longer redeemable in gold. And I think that's the point where things got really crazy with mm -hmm. inflation but inflation was happening since 1919 mm -hmm. you know when they first created the central banks and they created the federal reserve um so it's it's a whole history lesson right but i know we keep circling back to this if anyone's watched any of these podcasts um in in consecutive order they'll start to see a theme is that we'll talk about something whether it's talking about covid restrictions or geopolitical problems in europe or we <laughs> talk about um really Name of the game, whatever you want to talk about, right. things eventually circle back to a root cause of uh, the monetary system right. causing bad incentives and yeah. bad incentives causing bad outcomes. Yeah. And I, no, no one person is at fault. It's yeah. just kind of this weird, inevitable well, outcome. Yeah, some people are. <laughs> well, well, sure. But what I'm trying to say is that, that there, 
what, whoever you want to call the boogeyman man in politics, they were elected in a lot of them, not all yeah. of them. You know, like, for example, Anthony Fauci, he's not an elected, elected official mm-hmm. or the, the head of the Treasury mm-hmm. or the head of the IRS. He, he's, he's appointed usually by the president. Mm-hmm. So not all of these are elected positions. But most of the people that we would we would say, OK, well, this person just needs to vote this way or that way and change this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, they're just people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're just people. And right. everyone is kind of just people, you mm-hmm. know? So it's like no one's special. We're all just like, you could almost say we have the country that we deserve. Mm. You know what I mean? Like the, the, it's the inevitable accumulation of um, collective psychology. Like we're, we are the amalgamation of our desires, our needs, our weaknesses. Mm. Our government is a projection of our psychologies collectively yeah our 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 deepest fears our deepest strengths it's so many beautiful and ugly things that kind of come together and coalesce and we have the government that we deserve right now i think i think i'll agree with you only for the fact because that it makes sense that you know i can see the government right now is like well i don't agree with a, a bunch of things that they do but i'm also not fighting against them i'm not you know well you can act- consider this podcast as a little well, like no little, little but fight. <laughs> no but i'm not running for office you i'm could. not trying i could but i'm not I that's the should. point like i will just agree with you is this that- happening are you running right now no. <laughs> what would be your your platform what would you run on uh you vote you put me in i'll leave you alone <laughs> It will be something on those lines. I just want to leave people alone. That's what I want to do. Well, inevitably, mm-hmm. you'll have bills that come to your desk yeah. and you're going to have to vote on them one way or another. Yeah. yeah. So I guess you're, you're saying you will vote on them, but you'll vote on them in the outcome that would create a smaller government. It, like I'm a delegated person. That's what the government is. It's they're delegated people. Like you're, uh, do you say delegated or you say delegate? Like you, you delegate someone to do something for you. Sure. Is that a word? Yeah. Okay. So... They've been delegated by the people to do the things that the people want them sure. to do. But what in reality, what they do is like, oh, for to pass these bills, they pass these other bills that have nothing to do with the people. They have to do with big corporations. They have to do with groups of interest. Because if they don't, their wishes will never pass. Like that, their bills will never pass. That is an automatic low-hanging fruit that I think we need to resolve in the United States immediately. Mm-hmm. No lobbying. No mm-hmm. corporate special interest groups. Or no, uh, if if a bill is being voted, that is the only thing in the bill that yeah. is being voted. No, 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 uh, bringing bills together. Basically, like the Build Back Better, it was like thousands of other bills all yeah, jammed. Nobody into knows what on that stuff, and no one's given enough time to even read the bill. Exactly, and that's all designed on so purpose. So earmarking, ending ear, ending legislative earmarking, um, also um, ending congressional ability to invest in the companies that they're making legislation on when they're yeah that's a pretty obvious one yeah especially nancy pelosi how is that even possible you know if nancy pelosi knows about a new regulation on a tech company yeah, and so yeah, she yeah. shorts it or she knows it's going to benefit them so she buys the stock and yeah it's ridiculous she but, has outperformed every but, single investment but my whole point is like if people like me with this mindset would by a miracle be elected on the system, we wouldn't last much because you can't you can't just change the system like that unless everybody agrees on changing it. The right. only reason why the country was funded was was founded uh, on you know the principles that it was on the Bill of Rights, the the amendments and the Constitution was that because it was three guys who wrote it. 
It was three guys. You that can was get, it. You can sometimes and George get, Washington. You can sometimes get three or four people to agree on something. Yeah, right. Like it, it, all, all the 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 things now. There's so many representatives that you can never just change everybody's mind unless you start over. And some crazy people want to start over, like in the in the way of just like let's attack everybody and kill people. And just, like that's a crazy, crazy thing to say or Agreed. to 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 propose. No, that, that's not the solution. Yeah, it's it's not a solution for anything. But my point is, on the system that we have, you can't just be voted in and saying like you know I'm gonna vote for and all these crazy things. You can, but you need other people to vote too, other people to support. And the poli- the career of a politician attracts the kind of person that doesn't want to do that. It's like it's like the people that decide to be an engineer or you know a mathematician or someone that jumps out of uh, a plane for a living. Like it's some kind of people who are attracted I to do those that. Things. That sounds like fun. <laughs> You know, like you, you can't just like me. I can't be the person that jumps out of a plane because I'm a, I'm acrophobic. I can't be on top of a chair <laughs> and look down. So you know? different professions attract different people. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's for sure. And if, so if you want to be a politician, you want to be kind of a savior. You want to help and you want to help by doing too much. But I'm like, and you're the type of person who believes you could do that. Exactly. And, and that's an interesting type of individual because there might be people who are very competent for the role. They might even know more. They might even be more effective. Mm-hmm. But they would be like, well, I'm just I'm just a nobody. I can't do that. And mm-hmm. so then they never run, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, no, we could have had a good politician. <laughs> There's a whole theory about it. Like, why do they, the worst get on top? Well, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's all that. And we could talk about this all night until we're blue in the face. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, it's human psychology. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. You know, we, we talked about one or two news articles today. We were able to get through two. I think we got one. No, we got the, the gas prices going up and we, we talked about the election in South Korea. Oh, okay. You're welcome. <laughs> Yeah, I'm here to provide value thank to you. this podcast. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. This has been episode nine. The We are your hosts, Josh and Anna, and we will see you in the next episode. See you guys. Have a good day. Bye.